Welcome to the Happy Mindset, episode 140. Today's episode is called From My Head to My Heart. Today I'm joined by Matt Burke. It's Matt's second time on the podcast. He's a host of the Magic Minds podcast in the Liberties in Dublin. He is on the podcast today to talk about his new book, From My Head to My Heart. In this book, he outlines the journey he's gone on over the last few years to get from his head into his heart. I read his book. It's quite different to what I usually have read. There's a lot of poetry in there. I usually wouldn't be somebody who'd read poetry, but I liked Matt's book because it felt the poetry felt honest and it felt there was a good flow to it and a vulnerability to it that isn't easy to achieve. So I, I really appreciated it. Looking at the book, it's a journal, so he asks you questions, which is quite useful because it really gets you to reflect on your own life. And at the start of the book, he talks a little bit about his own story, which again is quite eye-opening. It was, it was nice to see somebody being vulnerable and honest about things that aren't easy to be vulnerable and honest about. So I enjoyed talking to Matt today. I always enjoy talking to him. And I know you'll enjoy today's episode. So thanks again for listening. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Okay, so thanks for joining us again, Matt. What's the crack, Dennis? Thanks for having me back again. Uh, it's great to be back on your podcast. And thanks very much for sharing my work. I really appreciate that. It means a lot coming from uh, one of my peers. No, oh, then enjoy your work, man. And today you're going to talk about your new book, My Head to My Heart. Uh, where did that come about? Like, why, why was now the right time for you to do that? Uh, well, it, it wasn't planned, Dennis, to be honest with you. Like, I've been writing bits of what we talked before that we jumped on here poetry as we'll call it but it, I didn't really regard them as poems they were just kind of just ways of expressing my words and I've been writing since 2015 and myself and Andy my co my, my partner on the podcast was talking about bringing out a book like with my poems and, and pictures from him he's a photographer and then you know what? Uh, it just grew legs. I like gra- I like uh, gratitude uh, journals, and I had other work. You know, all my wisdom set out fate or on social media. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to bring them all together and see can I create a book. And then I just said, without with all that stuff, it needs context. And then I start putting the front pit on it, uh, moving from my head to my heart, the, the big move out. And it just all happened. It's like it's like uh, the podcast. I just mm-hmm. started with an idea, and then all of a sudden. I'm landed with a book and it just happened so quick what did the process look like the creative process for you writing the book like how long did it take and did you have any kind of strategy did you write a certain amount each day how did you approach it no see that's that's the thing when people go with me you wrote a book but my mate goes it's not a book man it's just a journal like and i was like it's still a book he goes it's not <laughs> yeah. it's a journal right it's a journal i'm sorry whatever it is it's a journal. no and that's the thing when people go with me what do you think you, you wrote a book and i was like I haven't really, like, it's not like I'm one of those writers that took six months off, went up to the mountains and, and, and didn't talk for anybody. This was work I've been doing over the last, I don't know, since 2005. Then all my work on social media, all my quotes, all my thoughts, all my, I just brought it all together. So it was, it was nearly like a, a roundup of all. It's like I, I nearly ran around the house picking bits up off the floor and going, yeah, I'll throw that in, I'll throw it in. It's like opening your press and making a stew or that you have in the in the press. Hmm. But it's all my work. Like I have all the poems collected. And then the story, um the story at the at the start, that was the piece that I really had to to work hard on because I go into a bit about my mental health and my, my sexual abuse and like I talk about it, but I was like, Oh, uh, oh, hmm. where will I start? What will I say? And 
yeah, I found that part the, e- the, the hardest to try construct it in my mind, put it down, put a flow on it. Uh, yeah, so I just kind of done bits by bits over the last number of months, over the last say, year, I say, just kind of putting in bits, adding bits to it, pulling bits out, just to kind of get a, 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 a kind of a feel of what life was like. So it paint the picture for what the poems and all would be like. Because, and then I suppose as well, Dennis, it's, it's just a kind of a dip in my toe in the water for when I really do want to write my autobiography. Because I do believe that there's more to tell, like loads more I want to tell, like the darkness of my childhood, the darkness of my teenage years, the darkness of my drink and drug abuse and sexuality. And, you know, th- th- there's loads more that I want to get into. But I truly believe that your soul and your mind will only go where you can handle at the time. And this was the perfect uh, warm up for me uh, right now. It's just this piece now. And then when I have fully grasped all the stuff that I'm working on at the moment with my childhood and my dark past, then I, I will go into again. Like, not always dark. I've, I've had a bit of a crazy childhood and a crazy life and the things that we got up to. And it's weird, wonderful, sad and beautiful all at once. You know, it's a perfect storm. Yeah. I, I, but I like to mix it. It's some, it was something different for me now because you've got, you got poetry, you've got a journaling element to it, and you've got your story at the start. Another thing I noticed was that you did the writing in caps lock. Was there a reason yeah. for that? N- uh, no, I, that was again, that was the design. That Niall done that. That was his idea. I can't remember why he said that. Uh, there was a reason for it. Uh, I, I, he kind of done the, the, that, that, the kind of the creative side of it. The, the, I just picked what I thought was nice, what was not nice, what I liked. The pictures, all the, 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 the layout, the poetry, where I wanted it. That was all mine him from a graphic design point his was that uh what do you think of that did that work for you it was different uh i think originally i was looking at it first so it kind of kind of uh it kind of stood out to me it was a bit different and uh, but then no i did i did like it because just the book is different to what i've seen before even the front cover there's like a it was like a feeling of social media from it there's a feeling of like your branding on the front cover as well as with the book it was just something very different to me like i like different stuff i don't like reading the same types of books all the time and what I got from your poetry was a sense of self-expression and it was there was a natural kind of flow to it that isn't easy I think I think you'd have to be somebody who's in touch with their emotions in touch with their stories so I was kind of wondering did you write poetry when you're younger or was it something that you got that naturally kind of evolved when you got into personal development and looking at your past and discovering who you yeah. are no, I, I definitely didn't. I, 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 like my creation as a child, and I talk a bit about that. I didn't think I had a creative side until maybe 13, 14, when I started going to dance classes, you know, uh, but that's came along with drinking at the time. So they were kind of moving together. I was going to a dance class, and my mate was the instructor. He teach class, it was Mark Sheen from the band Scripts. Oh. Uh, he was the instructor. We were going, like, we we're all going out in clubs at the time and drinking drugs. So creativity was happening, but then it got stumped out. It got stood on because drink and drugs took over. So no, creativity was. It was only then when I got into uh, 2015 and I just started. I wanted to write a poem for a girl that I was going out to explain how I was feeling. And I don't know where it came, I don't know where it came out. Uh, but yeah, it was. It's really they really touch with my feelings. But I was trying to put like some of the poems are mine, are me. 
but then there's an artistic twist to them, you know. Mm. And I remember even writing a poem for her one time, and she she uh, she 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 basically critiqued the basically saying that's not true, this is not true, that's not true. And I was like, what do you mean? She always say, talk about like the 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 October sun. You don't like sitting in the sun at nine o'clock. You'd be normally in bed at nine o'clock, <laughs> and that absolutely yeah. crucified me, you know. <laughs> Mm. But like I was putting a creative piece together based on my feelings and emotions. Like, okay, the whole lot is not for bad and word for word exactly what I do. Uh, but I was trying to build a pit. I wanted to take people into the into my mind, to, you know, create a, a story, but based on fact. But she actually uh, tore me asunder with it, and it was hard to take. But I. We were supposed me and her were going anyway, separate ways. That that's that I just didn't know about. I was just uh, starting to, d- to delve inside, really. So do you see that imagery in your mind, like you talked about there, that October sky or October sun. Do you actually see the image, and that helps you to write it, or do you write it before you see the images? Or no, I just I just write. It. I write what's on my mind. I just write. Mm. Like I was, I was writing. I was writing a poem. I was writing poetry. Uh, yesterday. Um, I was writing I wrote three poems yesterday and uh, I just so what I do this is the way I think of it if there's something I wanted if I wanted to talk if something comes up for me i.e. if it's like love or if it's compassion or pain like I, I wrote a poem about my mom yesterday and uh, it's called echoes echoes of pain and I, I was trying to explain uh, through the poetry i'm trying to explain my mom's life growing up where i seen through my eyes you know mm-hmm. and i was basically saying you know you roared you shout you screamed you kicked you punched you, you went mad but it all just was an echo back of your own pain you know and then i you know i talk about or crying or not crying and praying but you got no you know it, the theme will be about pain and the reflection and reflection of love because back then all that was echo back to her was pain but now all that echoes back is love I've got love for her my brothers we've all love for her but back then she was just you know had difficult times I think you know because me and my ma this book opened the, opened the floor for us having conversations now about, about childhood that was never there and like my ma is a beautiful gentle soul but she was very very young having me so and she came from a difficult family. So, you know, as Gabor Mate will talk about generational pain, but mm. so she was she was an unconscious word soul. But she was me looking back now, I know that at an intellectual level that she was hoard. And so I the basically the premise of that poem was just was talking about echo of pain and throwing it out and it comes back at you. So that's the kind of picture I'm trying to paint. And then I wrote another one about 20 karat gold or love 24 karat. Just we 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 spend so much money at Christmas trying to buy love, buy love, you know, paying for gifts and giving it out, and then all of a sudden, come the tour of January, we haven't got a pot to piss in. <laughs> the money is gone, the love is gone. So what is the common denominator? I was basically saying that uh, the hand that give gathers. So giving is the is the common denominator, whether it's goods or love or kindness, presence. It's the giving. That is the is the thing about Christmas. It's handing over, you know. As we I've said before, uh, charity is the most selfish thing you do. When we give, we we gather too. So that's what that was about, really. So that's really where to go with it. I get it. I, what I find in my life is I get my frustrations about society and other people in my situation into my writing. I I channel that feeling in there because otherwise that feeling is just. Otherwise, I would just blame everything. I would just be in a blaming mentality. 
you find anything similar about the creative process or is it different to you for you? Uh, the way I do it is I, I use it as a form of expression of what I'm going through. Uh, so the stuff I wrote with you today was just these are thoughts I wanted to 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 to, to be artistic about, uh, about my mom, about love, you know. And then the other stuff that I wrote in that book was an expression of just my own pain that I wanted to share. I wanted, like I talked, you know, some of them are about suicide and some of them are mental health, you know, uh, war, mind wars. I really just wanted to portray an artistic view of what was going on for me. I couldn't tell you exactly what was going on, but maybe this, when I paint this picture, mm. to my words that you'll be able to go, I get it. Because I wrote that one, excuse me, Mind Wars, just before I broke up with that girl, because I wanted to explain my anxiety, the, the, the stuff that goes on my mind, that she wasn't to blame and no one's to blame. Because like when you have mental health difficulties, you know, you have two types of people sometimes. You have people that want to fix you, and then you have the other people that take it personal. Mm-hmm. And some people take it personal. So I wanted to say, look, even you raising an eyebrow, you even changing the tone of how you speak to me can send me out of a spiral if I'm not feeling great, you know, because everything will be filtered through the eyes of a child, ears of a child, the child trauma, you know, and that's how I, I didn't realise that that's how my life was working, that everything I was processing was through the eyes of a poor child. So she wasn't to blame. It's just this old story that I didn't know that was playing in the background for me. So that's kind of where I go with it, really. Yeah, the stories. Do you do any journaling, journaling then, Matt, or? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I keep a gratitude journal uh, every day. You know, I write down things that I'm grateful for. Uh, I do a lot of reflection. Uh, I, you know, I, I analyze probably not as much as I used to. I try, I try to stay out of it because I learned that I'm very analytical. I'm very, uh, you mentioned that in the book about the five years of talking about feelings and actually feeling it. I can relate to that too. I, I think I went, went through that as well because there's not much, uh, there's, there's not much impact knowing about feelings intellectually and actually feeling what's going on for you because you can't get to that expression without the feelings. Yeah, because she used to give me stuff to like say, oh, do you know this person or that person? And I go off and I remember here reading the book there in two days. It was a big book and I went through it. And I was like, yeah, I just devoured it intellectually, you know. Uh, but all the while, where is it keeping us? It's keeping us up in our head, keeping us up in the, the safe place. Um, so now I I try not to reflect as much and, and try feel it and sit with it and be with it, you know, whether it be jealousy, whether it be anger, whether it be like even, even just noticing my addiction to social media, you know, like, I'm on it and, you know, like I just made a video before I come on here, you know, I was talking to a young lady last night and she was saying, I try not to consume more than I create. And I thought, wow, I said, that's a lovely one. I'm going to make a video uh, about it. And I did today and I was thinking about it. How often do we scroll and just consume? So I'm now just becoming aware of stopping myself from scrolling and just sitting with the feeling of wanting to go for it. Because I masquerade it as I'm doing it for the podcast. I'm doing it for building a brand or whatever but no what's at the that the, the what's at the, the root of it does it there's a sense of a void what are some yeah what are some of the feelings you found from noticing the feeling underneath you just scrolling through social media what were the feelings that were there that you were avoiding 
not not the feelings of avoidance, the feet that 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 uh, that addictive wanting to go, those feelings, that yeah. that inner energy that's telling you to go back, like to picking up a point or going for a cigarette. That you know that draw back to the addiction, draw back to the. You know, we've all had it. Like, will I have the sweets? Will I not have this? It's like Schmeigelin in Lord of the Rings at the ring, <laughs> at the ring. No, he was like he was obsessed about <laughs> <No>. the ring. <laughs> he was obsessed about the ring. You always had to have it. My precious used to call it. I think that's the feeling there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's that. It's that. Like, and you just like because I, I listen to a lot of Eckhart Tolle, you know, and I'm all about present moment and listening to the pain body and the psyche and. So when I catch myself, or just that was a learning for me last night about the scrolling, I do it. So now I, I've spent my day just watching, just watching those feelings of wanting to go for it. And then when you don't, just sitting with it. You know, where, where before it went, oh, look at you, you're addicted to the social media, or you're, you're meant to be practicing mindfulness, blah, blah. I would have said all that. Now I don't do any. I just, I just sit and I feel. I feel, I feel that, oh, that kind of bubbly, pull you know that magnetic pull towards the scroll and then i just go wow that's interesting and i just sit there and then if i go back i go back if i don't i don't but i don't judge it well, I I try not. When, yeah how did you i i think i i think that's that's really helpful it's the the not judging part because it's, it's the stories there you can really get stuck in of always judging yourself and then when you're always judging yourself, you, you lose your confidence to actually create things. It's like a vicious cycle, I find. You're talking there about the consumption creation uh, ratio. I think if you're somebody who is scrolling, then you judge yourself. You scroll again, you judge yourself even more. You're going to keep being on that consumption side because you're just like focused on you're not good enough. So you're not getting going to get into that creation side where... I think what can kind of trap you is that like it's uh you feel like you need to be good enough to create but I think it's actually you create and over time it builds some momentum and you build some more confidence you're breaking all that consumption cycle just from taking action on it oh yeah 100% but here's the thing Dennis right about the scrolling now I could be scrolling and I'll see something that will trigger me to straight off social media come straight into the, the studio and build something build a creation like I was sitting out there yesterday thinking about I haven't interviewed anyone for January's podcast. Will I do on myself? And I opened this book because I'm, I'm working on health markers that I want to improve myself. And I opened this book on fasting and it popped an empty packet of uh, Lexipro. It was on uh, antidepressants and the empty packet fell out. It must have been used as a bookmark, right? I was like, Jesus. I said, literally three years to this day, I, I'm off antidepressants. So I was like, that's bananas, right? So I put it down, I read it a little bit, and I picked up my book that I'm reading by my mentor, Jeff Thompson, uh, the Divine CEO. And I was reading away, and he was talking about, you know, uh, proof, proof of religion, proof of this, proof of that. And he said, like, you know, he was questioning martial arts for years, but he went out and found his proof. And he was saying the best way to find out about your proof about religion or, or any of these uh, esoterical things, blah, 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 find your own proof. And literally, I went, bing, bing, two things. I went, find your own proof. Those empty packet of Lexipro, I'm going to go in and make a podcast. So I come in here and I sat for 38 minutes, just waffling away about uh, the Lexipro. When I gave them up, I took my own decision. I found my own proof because I stopped taking it because I felt that they, they, they were, I'm taking them to reduce my anxiety, my depression. 
But I literally was taking these things, but I still had the same feelings. I was still nervous. I was still anxious. I was still feeling down. So what were they actually doing? And I made a conscious decision that I'm going to get off them and I'm going to wean myself off. I use my science background, blah, blah, blah. And I, I came off them. So the premise was, I found my own proof that that's not what I needed. I needed to work on the processing of my childhood trauma, the processing of information coming in. But I had to go and find my own proof against all the people around me telling me not to do it. So my point being was, we can go through social media, but if you get inspired, act on it straight away. Just like what you said there a few minutes ago, create momentum. I just literally dropped the book grabbed the package and came in here and said, right, I'm going to make something out of this. So I used social media and I used my book to create work. Actually, now that I think of it, I I find that uh, when you're creating things, it helps you to, I suppose, enjoy life more. You pay attention more. Like even for my podcast there, if I read books or watch movies now, things will pop out at me and I'll I'll do a podcast on it or I'll talk about something. And it just gives me more of a reason to pay attention. And when you pay attention more, you realize that life is actually quite interesting because when you're not paying attention, you're always getting into your habits of like looking at the world the same way and your same kind of perception and gets into that kind of same shit every day mindset thing. It's very easy to get in there. But uh, if you've got a reason to pay attention, you can see that the world's a lot bigger than just that perception. Yeah, absolutely. Don't you say that there's two types of imagination? One is creation, where you create something out of and the other is synthetic. So it's that synthetic is there's something there, but then we just make it different and better, and we create our own version of it. And that's is similar to what you're doing and what I'm doing, is that we, we, we're we open and we see, we're, we're more, we're, our awareness, we're more heightened to uh, stimulus now, uh, and our, we're more receptive to, to these things and when we see it we go wow there's an idea and then we go off and we make something out of it and it just, I don't know about you Dennis but it, it, it creates an aliveness in us like it really sets me on fire what about you? Well definitely that's one word that's come up with me a lot for me in the podcast the sense of being alive uh, I don't know why I say it all the time it's just that it's just the word that actually makes sense for me it's a feeling that I, I actually feel I feel I'm feeling I think before I was just quite numb and I was quite looking outside myself to, to know how I should be behaving to be accepted by these people. Whereas when I'm creating, I'm only focused on following my feeling, following my gut. And that draws me, draws out the curiosity. So I started writing a book at the moment and it's purely based on curiosity, the book on creativity. And I remember it was like, it's called The Edge. And I was looking at walking the line because of my own, I felt like as a creator, it's like you're walking that psychological line where you're being yourself, but you're not going to be accepted by the group for being yourself. So it's like, it's a, it's a difficult one. And I thought I walked the line. I thought of Johnny Cash, and then I thought of uh, Philip Pitti, the guy who walked in the Twin Towers. So that sets my mind in research mode of like, I want to know more about these guys. Then I see Johnny Cash this week on the TV, being in Ireland, his tour of Ireland. I never knew he was in Ireland. So you, you, you pay attention to all these things that you would have never known otherwise. That's what I enjoy about this. Do you think you're do you think you're paying attention or they're just being uh they're, they're, they're gifts and synchronicity that are signs that you're on the right path to keep going? Uh, yeah, that's that's what I do because I find it very difficult to be doing something where the outside world looks at you and you wouldn't be considered successful at all. So when I see these synchronicities of like my feeling is guiding me and I see that I was thinking about this and now it's on the TV, that keeps me going and that like I'm on the right path, even though the outside world might sometimes you might feel like you're on the wrong path. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. I'm no longer driven as much. 
I would have said I used to be 80 20, 80 the outside world, people's opinions and other people's thoughts around what I do, and 20% mine. Now I'm the other, I'm probably 90 to 10. And, and it's those kind of synchronicities, those signs, those this inner knowing that I'm, yeah, I'm on the right path. And what I'm hearing from you there, Dennis, is, is, is that connection, that love. Like you're doing something you love. Like love is the, to me, uh, is, is the guide, it's the path, it's the divine path for me. And that seems like what you're doing, whatever you're doing, it's out of love and it just seems so easy. And it lights us on fire, doesn't it really? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's just you feel you're feeling, and life becomes more of an adventure. So that's that's the feeling I've been following. At the far at the start, it was difficult because it's I find at the start it's very very faint, but as you move more and more forward, and as you're having more connected conversations, where that was one of the things when I was younger too, as a boy, it was always be like I'd like to just be having conversations where I feel like I'm progressing in my life, and I'm feeling I feel like the people around me see life as an adventure or something that is. A growing experience uh, i suppose the other thing is that well as i've gotten older my experiences i realized that pain is part of the adventure as well dealing with pain dealing with reality it's not a fantasy i'm living in it's more listening to my inner knowing to guide me through all the stuff that i'm going to go through the dark and the light and meeting people then it gives me more of a reason to listen to people because i know that they can help me to move forward in life if i pay attention to them it pays into or it goes into the paying attention again to things. And uh, yeah, how about you? What's it, what's it been like for you, following your gut? Yeah, uh, I have this innate thing in me uh, from childhood when I was always about avoiding pain, you know, because of a young age, I, I experienced trauma. So everything I did was to avoid pain, avoid the darkness, avoid the staring into the light. But as I got got older you know i don't know only probably in me lot of years now that I, i'm able to experience a bit more but my first initial reaction will always be to pull away stay away from pain but you know i've learned that i can i know for sure i can handle it two i know that it won't last and i say to myself all the time religiously this too shall pass even when i'm having absolutely fantastic joyful moments I remind myself that this won't last and uh, so I know that it, it'll move by quick enough just like the happy days and I suppose it's it was those fears that I thought that they'd never go away those dark days and the the pain we never realized that pain will actually subside because we've had it for so long but now I know that I'll rebound if I'm having a, a down day or an off day I just go, that's just the way it is and tomorrow will be different. And if it's not, well, then the next way will be different. So I'm not too, I'm not too knocked over by it. And I've had a difficult couple of months before Christmas because of the book coming out, because my parents were going to have to read it. Well, I wasn't sure if they were going to read it or not. I had said to them, they don't have to because it might cause them pain because they don't know half the stuff that I did. Uh, so I was really worried about that. Uh, so the few months coming to Christmas was was difficult, but I just used all my mental health strategies, you know, all the the tools and tips, and even the stuff, all the stuff in the book. I implemented it, you know. I I lived this stuff, Dennis. You know, it, it's not just something that I talk about. I I really have to put it into practice, you know, my meditation or my gratitude or like love and kindness. Keep reminding myself that love is the light, you know. Fear is the dark and you know, uh, you can choose open or close. And I say, I'll say all these things, 
I rehearse it all in my mind because you're mind to believe whatever you tell it. Yeah. How did that turn out for you with your parents and so in the end? Uh, uh, oh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, my mom, like, my mom just, she just never likes looking into the sun. She doesn't want to know about pain. Mm. You know, I've often, like, I, I said to her one day, I know she said to me one day, she goes, here, put some of this bongella on your lips. And I says, no, thanks, Matt. Uh, and she goes, no, seriously, put it on your lips. And, and I says, Matt, please, I don't want to put it on. She said, no, what do you, just put it on your, I said, for fuck's sake, I said, I said, that reminds me of cocaine. What, what are you talking about, cocaine? Don't be mentioning that in my house. I said, what the fuck? You can't suppress me, man. I says, you know, this is a past that I've had. I don't want to hear about that. Don't be bringing that kind of conversation into my house. So all these kind of conversations, sexual abuse, like drink, drugs, typical Irish family, it's, it happens to the neighbours, but it doesn't happen about us. Don't talk about that. Sweep it all under the carpet. Let's, let's not talk. Let's all stay nice and warm and fluffy like Goldilocks. So I didn't really want to be to be having them to read it because I know how they close it down. But my ma then said to me, like I had said, they had the conversation with my dad around the saying, this is coming out, do my ma want to read it? We'll understand if he's don't. And he's like, oh, yeah, probably not, Matt. Because my dad's gone through cancer the last 10 years, chemo. And I'm like, that's okay, dad, that's cool. He says, I've no regrets as a father. And I says, I've no blame, dad. I don't blame anyone. I says, we're just mad and I'm mad. And we're all grand. No panic. I've done the work, years of therapy. I understand it. But then my ma didn't obviously get this conversation because my dad didn't tell her. He lacks a bit of Lee Rody sometimes. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. he didn't tell her that we had the conversation. She was like, you never told me you had a book coming out. And I said, I told your husband, <laughs> my dad. And she was like, do you not want us to read it? So I said, of course I do. I said, but I didn't want the horches. I'm, I don't want to you see this and take blame in it, ma. I said, can I explain the work I did? I've done years and years of therapy and I understand you have a different childhood. And she asked the question, Dennis, did I do anything to hurt you as a child? And I was like, oh, Jesus. You know, because I've harbored feelings that my mom has said stuff to me as a child. Now, what I've done, as I say, the therapy, and I understand at an intellectual level why she did what she did and why she said what she said. But I never expressed my hurt as a child, as, a, as, a, as an adult to her. And I basically then had to tell her, look, you know, and I was very, very gentle with her, Dennis. I said, look, man, you didn't get a... a, a a book to rare kids. I said, you are young. I said, you thought you were doing the best because we live in a difficult area. You're trying to bring me up to be a tough kid, but it wasn't a tough kid. I was a really soft kid. You said this, 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 then you done this. Just very gentle examples. Didn't want the, the drag of the past. There was no need. And I says, who taught you those skills? And she says, my ma, who's told her? And I says, oh, ma. I says, we can't go back and blame all them. Mm. I says, but you did say those things. And I says, and, I have saved money for my daughter to go to college, but I think I'm going to have to spend her on counselling when she gets older. I says, but that's just the way it is, Ma. I said, it's generational pain. And we had a lovely conversation then as she read the book and she loved it and we hugged it. She says, I'm sorry I didn't uh, tell you I loved you more. I hugged you more. I says, you didn't know. You done your... I says, Ma, can you sit there with your hand on your heart and tell me that you've done what you did or said what you said to me as a child? with bad intentions. Did you do it for the best intentions? And she said, they did matter. And I said, I truly believe that, Matt. But I said, little Matt didn't for years growing up. Like, I'd bring, I'd go, my mad made me go to the shop. I was a shopper for years since I was a kid. And it was to me advantage as well because I used to rob the food and bring back, keep the money. But that's a different story. But, uh, I bring the, the meat back. I mean, I'd like to be fat on the ham and she'd scream at me and bring that back and don't let them give that to you. So basically what she was trying to do was to teach me 
to be a tough kid, take no shit, don't let them speak to you like that, don't take this off anyone. Bro, I was terrified. This woman that is meant to love me is roaring at me and tell me I'm not good enough. And then I have to go back to this bleeding bloke in the shop and these women in the shop are going to think I'm an absolute asshole, like a dopey kid. So, and it was just a mental world. But again, she was just trying to raise me to be a boy. And, you know, boys don't cry, girls cry, all this kind of stuff. She, I think she said it, other people said it, but it was a mix. It's not just my house. It was the community, it's the area, it's Ireland, you know, boys don't cry, girls cry, grow up, toughen up, man up, all these kind of things. So it was lots of different layers of it, but it opened up um, a conversation with me and my man. It's really, it's changed our relationship. I think it's changed my uh, relationship with our, you know, my man's deadly and she's a lovely soul, but I've, I've dissolved probably stuff from the past that I couldn't let go, but now I've expressed it so it's helped loads, you know, and I'm sure it's helped all. Yeah, that's good. Man. Yeah, because I think uh, it's very important what you're saying there. It's like it's expressing, acknowledging the pain. It's not a blame game. It's intergenerational pain. Like even our generation is going to kind of fuck up the other generation a little bit because they need to grow through whatever our mistakes are. We can't see them because we're stuck in, in our perception right now. But it's, uh, I suppose it's bringing the understanding that this is about processing, making a sense of dealing with pain, so that you can do stuff like you're doing with your art and artistically creating your podcast and and your book there, because otherwise we're not going to get real art if we're not going to process this stuff and society won't evolve if we're not going to try to light on these difficult conversations rather than suppressing stuff that we want to ignore because it's too difficult to look at. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so did you reach a level actually there of like self acceptance where you were okay with the book being rejected by your parents? Did I? Yeah, I, like that's the what, thing was, that there. I think you need to get to that place to to write a book that personal, where there's, I suppose, where it's where it's personal, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. No, I got to like when I made me video. When I made a video in 2017, 2018, somewhere like one of those videos where, hey, it's my hair, whatever, blah blah blah. Yeah. I kind of, I, I got rid of what, I kind of went, you know what, I don't give a fuck what people think. And I, I, I think by watching people like the, the likes of Brene Brown, Oprah Winfrey, you know, Moy Angelou, Brian Kay, you know, all these people that talk about vulnerability and, you know, the, like the, 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 the Theodore Roosevelt, you know, the man in the, re, in the arena. Like, who can judge it if they are not doing what they do, what we do, what you and I do? Like, yeah. who can comment on us podcast? My little brother said to me one day, you need to do this in the podcast, you need to do this. And I was like, like, arrogant, or I, I angrily said to him, many podcasts have you released so far? He was like, I'm just saying. And I said, well, then shut the fuck up. I said, you know what I mean? Now I, I, I wouldn't even say that because I, 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 <laughs> I would be a little bit more diplomatic. But my point being... What? Yeah, finish. I was just going to say you've got a poem about that, but just finish your point there first. My point being is like, who can judge us? Who can reject us? Like when you own your own story, I own all that. Now the stuff that I'm going to talk about in the next book about my sexuality and the drug abuse and doing what I did when I was on drugs and all these things that I just went, why did I do all that? I haven't owned that yet. I haven't grasped it. The stuff with my abuse and I talked to my mate here the other night and he asked me questions like, when did it happen? How old were you? And stuff like that. And I talked to him, I talked to him like an adult. Or if you had asked me a year ago, I would have been, oh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I clearly spoke to him from an adult point of view and I explained it, you know, I rationalised it. So I suppose 
I own my own story now. Nobody can 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 do anything with it, you know. So whether I get rejected, I never felt like that'd be rejected. I didn't really. I don't care. I didn't care. I know that it's not my story. And I said this to me, man. I I said, my man, this is not my story. This is your story. This is it. Thousands, millions of kids. I said same fe- same feelings and emotions, but just different events. I says because we're all going through this. I said, I talk about feeling unworthy, feeling unloved, lack of, you know, blah, 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 confidence. I says, that's all you, isn't it? And she says, yeah. I says, yeah, it's just, it's somebody, it's, it's everyone's story really, you know? Yeah. And it's important. You need language to have a different perspective so people can begin conversation. So it's really important what you're doing there. But what I was saying there was the complexity poem you had. I like that where you can, you're comfortable like saying namaste and comfortable saying jagan and, and, uh, mind your little self, all that kind of stuff. Did that take you a while to, to understand context, understand you can be all these people? Because what I see in the spiritual kind of world is that people can become all too spiritual and not really be themselves, not own the whole entirety of the, their personality. Yeah. That takes it's, the it's the young theory, isn't it? It's like the dark and the light. And I, uh, I was on in a counseling session with Maggie and uh you know I, I don't know what it was about like you know when i started off in the spiritual world i tried to be the dalai lama i tried to be all white i tried to walk on water i think you know and she reminded me lots of times like you know when you're holding the white dove don't forget you're holding the black dog as well you know mm. uh, so then i just began watching myself like you know i'd be talking about love and kindness and then i'd catch myself having a, a laugh at it like a non-pc joker or slagging somebody and work messing. And then I went, fucking hell, you're not all white and you're not all dark. What are you? I just sat there and I watched some more. And then I said something to my brother one day about him having a hangover and I was giving him stick. He went, oh, Mr. Love and Kindness, you're not very loving to your brother, yeah. And I said, well, it's self-inflicted, you dope, you know. Uh, but it was generally only having the crack with him. But then it made me realise that I'm not all what you may think and I'm not all what I may think and I'm not all what everyone else I may be all of those things all at once so I just sat down and I thought about myself because I don't take myself seriously mm-hmm. as much anymore yeah. like I used to think myself real serious now I try to have as much of a laugh myself but then I do catch myself being you know sometimes I could be arrogant sometimes I can think I know stuff and but I don't yeah. give myself a hard time about that I just try watch it as well so yeah, I look. I actually, that's probably me. One of my favorite poems is the Dance of My Complexities. I just think it's 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 kind of very me. Yeah, no, no, I relate to that too. Like, I find life is complex and simple at the same time, and that's such a paradox. But that's life. But I think it gives you that compassion then, because you realize life is a mindfuck. So if it's a mindfuck for me, it's probably a mindfuck for a lot of other people. So why am I going so hard in them when I'm judging yeah. them? I think. Yeah. And I would be always about that, Dennis. I'd be like making sure that people were to the letter of the like. I mean, if you say you do this, you do this. And if you're going to be certain, be certain. And I was always very about like, it is either this or it's that, or it's black or it's white. And it's, I was always looking for, but yet inside me, I was very like uh, inconsistent, uh, hypocritical, uh, you know, and, and, and that's what irritated me about people because I could see myself in them. But now I suppose I've owned it a little bit more. I'm a bit more uh, honest about. And when you watch people, like in my job, like people telling you to do one thing and then they're going off doing another thing and then they try rationalise and you're going, you're pissing on me and telling me it's raining. <laughs> do you know what I mean? 
the rationalizing I've, I've kind of started to realize the rationalization leads to stories and stories keep you stuck from feeling stuff at least a lot of pain like, like we mentioned there a little bit about the pain i found from covid that there's been a lot of uh negative emotions coming up for me like anger sadness fear overwhelm but from like looking at your book there it's it, it is feeling it feeling it not judging it feeling it and expressing however way it's going to come out as well and uh well, I guess because as well, when you've got a creative outlet, you've got a reason to feel those feelings. If I didn't have a creative outlet, I would be unconscious to them because I don't want to feel this pain because it doesn't serve any purpose for me. But because I know I've got a podcast and I know I want to write books, I'm like, this is really fucking difficult. I feel like I'm dying sometimes with this kind of anxiety or this anger. But I know that if I can feel this stuff, I can become a bit more grounded and I can express that in a way that might help myself and in other yeah. people as well. That's lovely. It's, it's not what, I don't know who says it, but things are not good or bad. It's just the stories that we put on them. It's just the thoughts around them. You know, like, like when I read stuff about, you know, do this and it'll make you fearless. Do this and it'll get rid of your anxiety. Do this and it'll help you with your, or it'll clear your, your, your depression, whatever, whatever these feelings is. Like, they're just natural states that we, they'll, they'll ebb and flow and it's just, we can't get rid of them like we can't get rid of fear, you know, or we can't get rid of excitement or happiness. It's just about not judging them and letting them be, isn't it? Like we, mm. we weren't told, well, I know I wasn't as a kid, how to, to express emotion or mm. name it or label it. And no, I don't mean label it or judge it as in good or bad. Just even say, well, that's anger. That's jealousy. That's rage. Cause you know, I grew up in the eighties, you know, where you're not meant to be jealous and you, you know, it was a huge, thing on Catholicism you know mm-hmm. so we weren't allowed like not even t- I still have hang-ups around sex and all you know like mm-hmm. like my mad knocked or my dad knocked the telly off if somebody just started to take the short off and all you know gets a glass of water there he's like what's wrong with this fella he's always drinking water <laughs> do you know what I mean well, yeah I'm sure I would have had the same experience in like in the, in the 90s so I, well, I hope it's kind of getting better there now because again it's like if you don't talk about this stuff the thing is, if you're not talking about something, you're not going to have good thinking skills around it, Crit- critical thinking, creative thinking, because there's no actual words there at all. There's no thought process because it's just suppressed. So how are you going to have a healthy relationship with something that you've never been able to freely explore? Mm. And so it's, it's kind of what I'd be... It's unreal. Mm. We learned so much from my house. I was always saying this to me, ma. Like, I didn't know, I didn't rate, I didn't value myself as a child because... I wasn't told that I was valuable because I was only ever told the picture I was painted was that everyone outside's opinion was more important than me. Cause I, once I go outside this house, that's who I represent this family, this house and don't bring shame on this house. Don't do this. And I was all worried about what other people thought, not about whether I was valuable as a human being. And me and me, man, I talked about that. And it's just, that's just the way society had, uh, taught my mom and dad that you know you don't bring shame on the house and that we were important and yada yada yada. but they they learned it off other numpties you know what i mean uh like where my daughters are i tell them how important they are and even in school the teacher i'm not the most important in this relationship you are to me and i'll always back you and you know but as a child i didn't learn that you know i thought everything else was important and i wasn't i so i didn't value myself it's crazy you know it is crazy, yeah. Because when you're thinking about it too, it's like your family was like that. Everybody's family is like that because it's in the culture. Pretty much, like not everybody's, but 
that could be a cultural thing. Because I suppose when you look at society, you'll see that. You'll see like what sort of conversations are playing out, what sort of things are tri people are triggered by. You get an insight into the, I suppose, the vast majority of how culture affected people, like what was taboo and all that kind of stuff. But even I suppose it's something practical, like in Europe there, when I was living in France, I noticed that their, their culture around drink was a lot better than in Ireland, where we're, we weren't allowed to have like wine or anything like that around the table when we were under 18. And, or, so I suppose it's a very complex thing, but it's, it's worth having conversations around like that rather than saying that you shouldn't drink and then there's people getting drunk at a very young age or it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, look, Irish people are just, in, we're in, as, a, as a, a race, we were just in the Easter toys <laughs> forever yeah. and a day, do you know what I mean? But I think it's a lot of countries like that. It's just different kind of, different cultural things but i suppose it's, it's just having conversations and saying like why can't we have a conversation around this and grow from this and process whatever we need to process and to see how things unfold after that and not being dogmatic about stuff yeah i still think we're we well i think it's moved now but we were under the catholic uh guilt and the catholic rule you know everything mm. was you know the priest the church you know it's just it was just laden in in pressure from 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 Catholicism, you know, like I remember, like that was the worst thing you could possibly do is, is to get in trouble with the with the church. But yeah, I got a family name into the Sunday newsletter. Me and a bunch of lads, we broke into the uh, the, the 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 dungeons under the church, and where all the parish priests were buried. And obviously, we got caught and uh, I put our names in the in the newsletter. Hmm. So uh, that uh, that got me a couple of months in a. Uh, in solitary confinement in the house. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. This was another one of those. It's just having conversations around this. Like, what are we learning from the, all this stuff? Like, and it's difficult, but we need to grow from this stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that that's pretty much it, Matt. I enjoyed conversations today around creativity in your book, and I'm glad to see the progress you're making in all this as well. I can see you really progressing with everything. So, and having difficult conversations. Um, so, thanks very that. much. I really appreciate. I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, yeah. You put me work out there and shared it. It's really brilliant, and I really appreciate. It, you know, uh, it's not easy. Sure, it's not uh, trying to no. get it uh, get it out there to people. And it's not. It's not for this. Like people think it's for the sale part. It's not. It's not the sale part. I really believe. Believe like your book, Dennis. Uh, this book. Book. It's. It can serve people well. It, it's. It's a. It's a value. Hmm. Well, so opening up conversations, opening up dialogues. That's that's uh, that's where I kind of look at books in there. That's a great point. Yeah, that is. A, yeah, it's opening up. It's just it's it's creating a space to have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. If yeah. it's with yourself. Yeah, well, that's what I found. There's no, there's no like, there's nothing last even if you don't sell a lot of books because you're opening up that conversation with yourself. You're opening up different different aspects of yourself that you didn't know were within you. So that's the success that that's a success in in and of itself. I think. Mm, even somebody that was working on the book with me they said to me please don't write a book next year because your book has now asked me to turn inside and do work on my childhood that I didn't think that I need to do mm. and I was like wow I, I never knew that and they were like yeah so thanks very much and I was like wow deadly like fantastic you know so mm. like what's success that's success to me emails text message I'm getting from people, voicemails I'm getting from people. That's what I deem as success. That's my barometer for success. So I'm absolutely delighted with it. Like, 
Uh, yeah. I honestly think that's how you change the culture is having conversations one at a time and letting whatever evolves, whatever evolves is supposed to evolve individually and then collectively. That's how we evolve. That's kind of the yeah. way I kind of look at things. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's good, Matt. Thanks again for taking the time out today to talk to us. Wish you all Dennis, the best. Uh, thanks very much. So have a fantastic evening and uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Actually, where will people find the book? Last week before I leave. Uh, oh, you will find on our website, we have a, a link to so you can buy it on www.magicminds.ie or you can check me out on social media, Magic, Magic Minds Podcast, I'm at Bork1976 on social media, I'm on Facebook as well, we're, we're, uh, we're social media whores as they say. Yeah, you have to be as well these days to get stuff out there. Well, yeah, thanks again, Matt. Take care, man. Thanks, man. It's a really Until appreciate next time. that. Until next time, have fun and enjoy the process.